0: Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest episode of the 11 Personnel Podcast on The Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Rich Hammond, Rams beat writer for The Athletic, joined here by Jake Reiner of CBS2. And we are not together, Jake. We are very far away right now. Uh, You are in beautiful Southern California. Um, I saw it was 80 degrees on Tuesday. Very nice, I'm sure. I am yes. here in Indianapolis for the combine, and it's freezing. I don't <laughs> understand, Jake. I just don't, I want to start off this way. Like I don't want to call out any of my colleagues in particular, but it was on Twitter a few days ago. Uh, where people were talking about having the combine here in Indianapolis and what a great mm-hmm. place it is to have the combine because the city is laid out so nicely and there's heated skyways and I thought I paused and I went there's a fundamental problem here <laughs> you the, the goal is not to be in a place that requires heated skyways do you know where you don't need heated skyways Jake I think I'm going to take a crack at this. Uh, California? Yes, California. You do not need heated skyways in California. So I don't know whether that's necessarily something that should be celebrated. Uh, But uh, Jake, how are things uh, back home? Is everything still okay? Uh,
1: Is there anything I'm missing? No, you're just missing beautiful weather. And I have to to say, though, that I I went to college at Syracuse, and I was there for four years, and after leaving syracuse i vowed never to return to that type of weather that is just the most uncomfortable weather i would say that's probably the word i would use uncomfortable are you feeling uncomfortable right now yeah
0: i am kind of especially because i was trying to pack before i left and i could only find one glove like i'm going through my closet and all i could find was the right glove and i'm like well (laughs) this this is just how this is gonna go so i i brought the best jacket i could and and made do so listen no complaints it's it's an off it's an awesome opportunity to be here. This is now my third time being here at the Combine since 2016. And uh, it, it, it's um, it's something to behold. It really is. I know people see some things on TV. You know, you, they see the 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 forty yard dash and the weightlifting or whatever. But uh, to really be here and behold what it's like, it's 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 the closest you can come to like an NFL convention. You know, if, if whatever your line of work is, I know everybody kind of has their own little you know convention or uh, meetups that you do. Uh, and and there really is like I, I was walking into the into the uh, media session today, and it was just a Wall of NFL personnel coming at me in the other direction. You never have you seen so many hoodies with NFL logos on them, uh, <laughs> all walking in one direction. So it's it's a it's an interesting event, and it's it's a great opportunity, Jake, uh, to learn things. And today. Uh, Tuesday, rather, the we got the opportunity to talk to both Sean McVeigh and Les Snead uh, as, as part of the combine, kind of the kickoff activity, I guess you would say, is uh, most every, uh, not all, but most every coach and GM in the NFL come and talk to uh the reporters they do a little session at a podium uh individually so they get a chance to to kind of uh you know face questions from from reporters it's very helpful because we don't get a lot of those opportunities during the off season so it's a good chance to kind of update on, on where things are so jake i wanted to just run through real quick maybe maybe we can touch on the kind of the newsier items a uh, uh, real uh, fast I, I know everybody wants to know about uh, free agency and and how things are going now they're not going to stand up there and, and and give us any news necessarily. This isn't the place to announce that, hey, we're going to re-sign Corey Littleton or we're going to franchise tag Dante Fowler. This is really not the, the time and place where they're they're going to stand, stand on a podium and and announce news necessarily. But there's a lot of context, a lot of nuance that, that can be given. And uh, Jake, one thing I would uh, say that was news was some news on the offensive line. And, and this is very important and has been for a very very long time. Jake, I think we got our strongest indication to date that the Rams are going to re-sign Andrew Whitworth. Now nothing is done. There's nothing been put on paper, or signed or anything like that, but Got some real strong confidence from both McVeigh and Sneed that that's going to get done and get done before that March 18th free agency period starts. That's very important because not only uh, do you not want Whitworth to hit the open market, but you also don't want to be left without a left tackle and and suddenly have a big hole to fill. So. Pretty good confidence, I would say, that that that's going to get done here in the next couple weeks. On the other hand, we learned that both Brian Allen and Joe Noteboom, those two young guys who who started last season uh, as first-year starters, doesn't look like either one of them is going to be ready for OTAs or really be on the field at all for that offseason program. Things can change, it's still a couple months away, but it sounds like the Rams are planning at least that neither one of those guys is going to be on the field. So Jake, you can look at that and say, eh, you know, what's a big deal? It's offseason. But that's when a lot of that work gets done. When those guys are on the field, that's when a lot of that chemistry gets built, that continuity, those guys working together. So I guess a little bit of good news, bad news, right? I mean, good news in that uh, it sounds like Whitworth's going to be back. And, and ultimately, those guys, uh, Allen and uh, Noteboom, will be bet ready for the start of training camp, it sounds like. But uh, some challenges and and
1: not all good news. I love that Whitworth is potentially going to be back. And I think it was nice to hear both Snead and McVeigh on the same page that they were confident that something was going to get done. They didn't say that... You know, they had something in place or their talks were ongoing, but just the confidence that 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 is, you know, something that is going to eventually happen is great for this offensive line. And something you just touched on um, when talking about Nopum and Allen is that what the Rams lacked last season on the offensive line was that consistency. And you saw once that group of uh, Bobby Evans and Austin Corbett and Austin Blythe and Whitworth Uh, That whole offensive line, once they got, you know, a couple of games on the field with one another, it started to really, they started to really thrive. So yeah, not having those two young guys in the fold, you know, know, for a a good chunk there is going to be, you know, it's going to be hard to, to work them in, but it's good to hear that Whitworth will be anchoring that offensive line. I think he's really great in the clubhouse. Clearly a leader on the team and in terms of uh, keeping the band together, I think he was, uh, you know, I think one of the top priorities that we had talked about on this podcast that the Rams really needed to get done.
0: Yeah, I, I think it was critical. I don't. I don't even know what the other. I mean, McVeigh. Uh, I think got asked as a follow up. Well, if it's if it's not Whitworth, what's it going to be? And he was kind of like, uh, I don't know. You know, which is which is true. Like, what is the? You, you look at it, and you can say, well, you can look at free agency, or you can look at the draft, but that's not really what you want. I mean, the 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 ability. Look, the Rams did that three years ago when, when they got Andrew Whitworth in, in free agency. And you you talk about the moves that were so important and, and to be able to get a guy like that in free agency, uh, I I think people underestimate how big that was. That just doesn't happen. If you have a productive left tackle in, in, you know, still in his productive years, those guys don't, they aren't available very often. So uh, to think that they would be able to do that again is, uh, I think, folly. To think that you're going to go out and draft somebody and then just have that player come in as a first-year starter, I think, is folly. So I don't even know. Like, if for some reason uh, this weren't to happen or were to fall apart or something like that, uh, the Rams wouldn't have a good option at all. So absolutely don't think you can uh, underestimate uh, the importance of of bringing him back. Now, Jake, people have also asked about Rob Havenstein, what might happen there. Bobby Evans you know, played late in the season, uh, did well, uh, not perfect, wouldn't expect him to be in that situation as a rookie. Uh, Jake, it sounded to me like they were going to kind of keep options open there. I I think maybe you could see uh, maybe even a little bit of a competition there uh, during OTAs, if if I can read between the lines a little bit uh, to see maybe how Bobby can progress, how maybe he can handle a second season, and maybe a little bit higher of expectations, and uh, you can still leave that option open. If, if you decide that, that Bobby Evans can handle that role, then uh, maybe you can find some uh, a trade partner for Rob Havenstein and and get some relief there. But it really sounds to me, Jake, like they're they're going to kind of keep their options open there, not maybe commit right now to the to a starting line, uh, but see what they've got, see what Austin Corbett can do coming back for for a season. Whether or not they bring back Austin Blythe to me is still a really interesting one, especially now in the context of Brian Allen not being able to be there during OTAs. I, I think... The fact that he's not there, it it leans a little bit more to me, Jake, toward bringing back Austin Blythe, and I've I've been, you know, pounding this point for a while now. But I really think, based on the way that he played, and now based on uh, not having Brian Allen. Through that whole off-season program, I I don't know, Jake. I just I think the Rams are playing with a little bit of fire here. If if they don't bring back Austin Blythe at least as kind of an insurance policy,
1: oh, I think that they that, that that's a top priority for them, regardless of the health of Brian Allen. I think that Austin Blythe proved that he was the calmness that the Rams needed at center, and he was instrumental in the Rams' second half success and. Ultimately, you know, they almost, you know, when they were making the push for the playoffs, he was instrumental on that offensive line. And to that point about Rob Havenstein, I think it was really good for McVeigh and Snead and the rest of the guys to get a look at Bobby Evans down the stretch because if you remember, Havenstein was a healthy scratch in the last couple of weeks, so they got a really good look at Bobby Evans in you know game form and you know against tough opponents. So I think that you know they obviously saw something in him and wanted to see what you know how he would handle you know more uh, extensive snaps uh, in the league. So yeah, I, I I would invite the the competition, and if you can find a trade partner for Havenstein, that 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 could help solve that issue, but. My only thing about that is is his contract, they just signed him to an extension. It could be tough to move that type of contract. And with all the injuries that they had on the offensive line this past season, they need depth. So whether or not you sign Austin Blythe, it may not, it may be good to keep a guy like Havenstein around if you can afford it.
0: Yeah, I, I see the value in that for sure, especially after what the Rams went through last season to, to kind of become a little brash with it or, or confident and say, oh, I don't need Rob Havenstein. You can trade him. And uh, we, we, just, we just literally just saw the value in, in having depth and in having a, a veteran guy like that. And look, I know people, you know the, the way things went early last year, last season and uh people kind of got down on on rob havenstein a little bit Uh, but i i I honestly wouldn't put too much into that because that whole line was just kind of a kind of a mess to be honest i mean even in the early in the season andrew whitworth wasn't even playing very well Um, so i i think the issues just went across the board there and i don't i don't think you can pin it on one player or uh, one particular thing I, I i would i don't think that's fair to Rob to be honest with you so uh would like to see either him given a chance to uh, kind of reestablish himself or or at least you know to show that that he can still play at a high level and then maybe that opens something up Jake when you're talking about you know who might take on that contract well if if he shows that He's still a, a starting caliber player that he can still be a very strong right tackle for somebody, even if it's not the Rams. Uh, there, there's there's going to be a market for that. He's still young and and still has a lot of years ahead of him. So I think there is a market for him if he shows that that he can uh, kind of rebound and and perform the way that he did in in 2017 and 2018. Uh, but Jake, I, I want to pivot a little bit toward two things, not, not the most exciting things maybe, but but very important. One of which, which is the uh, franchise tag and the other one is the potential of restructures. And, and let's start with the second one first, because I think there's sometimes a little bit of a misconception about the word restructure when we're talking about a contract. I, I think people look at that and, and think what that means is you restructure it and you pay somebody less. And that, without getting too deep into the weeds here, that that can happen if you're talking about maybe you adjust some bonuses or, or whatever and uh, there's a potential for somebody to make less money. But when we talk about your standard restructure, what we're actually talking about is you you basically reduce somebody's salary cap number in the short term and you pay it off down the line. I mean, it's almost like a credit card. You don't it's not like you get something for free just because you hand somebody a piece of plastic. You eventually have to pay for it when the bill comes. So, what happens here is when you talk about a restructure and, you know, Jared Goff for instance, I believe if they restructure it they can save something like 16. Let's let's say it's 16 million. I think it's it's somewhere around there. So yes, you chop off that 16 million in 2020, and you get a, a clear benefit from that. Absolutely, because you can use that money to to you know re-sign guys or sign other guys. However, you end up paying that. Over the course of the next couple of years, however many you can spread it out over a, a certain number of years, so that that money doesn't go away. You're just restructuring it to, to other years. So, uh, sorry for the boring tangent there, but it, it was a question that that came up because the Rams do have the ability to do that with Jared Goff. They they could even do it with other guys uh, who have these these you know bigger long term uh, contracts. So it came up, and and the answer was pretty much what I expected, Jake. Which is that yes, it's an option. Yes, it's something that they look at, and they have done it in in the past. Uh, not not in in such big ways, but but in in uh, you know Robert Woods did it. I think Whitworth did it in a, in a little way. Uh, so it is a possibility, but I think it's something that you only look at if if you're convinced that it's absolutely the right thing to do in terms of that cap. And then Jake, the other thing is the. Franchise tag, which we still don't know, by the way, because uh, they're they're still negotiating the CBA and trying to get all that uh, figured out. We still don't know what the salary cap is. We still don't know what these franchise tag values are. So all of that, I think, is a little bit delayed because they're trying to figure out this CBA. Uh, but the one thing uh, Les Need was asked about the the franchise tag, and he didn't close the door on it. I think we talked in the last episode or two episodes ago maybe about how that is a very big number when you're talking about certain positions. Uh, talking about a linebacker, for instance, it can be $15, $16 million to, to tag a linebacker. But Jake, I got to read between the lines a little bit, and, and I think the Rams are—they would really like to keep Corey Littleton. And whether that is being able to re-sign him, whether or not that is tagging him for a year, uh, when Corey Littleton's name came up uh, during those discussions, you—you you heard kind of—I don't want to say urgency, but you—you you kind of heard something in those guys' voices that said he's an important guy. And I know, Jake, we've talked about this before, and I, I think we're on the same page that if you're going to be, if you could only keep one other than Whitworth, if you could only keep one of those guys other than Whitworth, I think Corey Littleton is the guy.
1: Oh, yeah. I I think we're on the same page there. He's my pick, too. When, if you're looking at Fowler, Brockers, any of those guys, Zerline, I, I would definitely like to see Corey Littleton. I think he's developed really nicely, and um, he's developed really nicely under Joe Barry, and Joe Barry is back. So I want to see kind of what he's able to do. He's still on the younger side. He had an incredible year last year um, with the Rams. And one thing that struck me that Les Snead said is that and it kind of ties into this franchise tag thing because he he said he didn't shut the door on, and he was sort of saying you know we'll we'll revisit it, and it kind of it's kind of contingent on what happens with the collective bargaining agreement and all of that, and the right. the fr- uh, franchise tag uh, designation period is starts this Thursday and it goes till March twelfth, so there is a little bit of time there to kind of figure things out. But one thing that stood out to me that Les Snead said was that. Given the fact that the Rams aren't picking until the second round, he said that they don't really want to go into the draft with any holes, let's let's call it, is what he yeah. said. Any any, you know, glaring holes. And, and if and if we're following his logic, when you start in the second round, you typically like to add depth and not a glaring weakness. So if this tells me anything, it, it means that Snead wants to really re-sign his top free agent choices um, rather than having to look for replacements late in the draft, because you can't really plan so much late in the draft. You kind of have to, you, you have an idea of who you think will fall to you, but sometimes you'll get a surprise and someone will fall to you and you'll have to decide whether or not, you know, that's the person you want to go for that you didn't even think about before. So I, I really like the sound of that when he when he said it. I don't know how it came off to you, Rich, in the room, but like just hearing him him say that, like, you know, we, we want to use this draft to our advantage and not as a last ditch effort to fill all these holes that we now have.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Jay, because I think that's a really important point. Uh, Also in the context, I'm going to tie it in a little bit. Uh, You know, a lot of uh, people, you know, listeners or Rams fans ask like, well, you know, what positions are they targeting in the draft? And I understand the question. It's not a bad question. But the answer is kind of like you shouldn't really be targeting any positions in the draft. And I think it goes Right back to what you just said, and, and what Lesniak said is: if you're in that position, you're not in a real good position. Like if you're going into the draft saying we absolutely have to draft a receiver in the first two rounds to to fill a hole, that's not where you want to be because then you've really pigeonholed yourself, and you're you're not drafting from a position of strength. You're, you're looking at it going, well, you know, even even if the top, uh, you know, our top six receivers on our list are, are off the board. Uh, gosh, we still need one, so we we have to draft one, even if it's not really one who we should be picking in this spot. So you you hear people kind of roll their eyes when when executives, GMs talk about, well, you take the best player available, and that you know that that's it's really kind of confusing or not confusing, but frustrating to to hear that sometimes because you want a little more insight, but but that's really what it should be within a certain subset of of you know positions. You you should kind of have maybe targeted three or four positions where you look at it and say okay well let's look at the offensive line let's look at the defensive backfield let's look at running back and let's look at uh, linebacker and say okay you know who's available who you know who do we like among those guys who are still available at those positions and and go there you don't want to be pigeonholed into saying like oh gosh we we have to take we have to fill that need through the draft because uh that that's not a great position uh, to be in and and also you don't want to close yourself off to positions that maybe you don't even need right now. For instance, I'll tell you this: receivers, college receivers, were a huge talking point uh, throughout the first day here. Uh, just there's a lot of chatter about how good this receiver group is. Now the Rams really don't need receivers right now when you look at brandon cooks robert woods cooper cup uh, josh reynolds i mean this is a pretty deep young group of receivers but if you're less need and you're sitting there in the third round or maybe even early in the fourth round and the receiver class is so strong that you're looking at your list and you're going, man, we really, really like this receiver. Even though you don't need a receiver, you want to be able to be in that position to say, hey, we're going to take this guy because we really like him and we're not drafting for need. We're not drafting out of desperation. We're, we're drafting, as you said, Jake, to, to build up that depth. So that's the position that you want to be in. You don't want to be sitting there on on draft day with a checklist saying we need to get a tackle. We need to get a linebacker. We need to get a kicker. Um, so that that's really the position that, that you want to be in. And like you said, Jake, if the Rams... Can get themselves in that spot, whether by re-signing their own guys or you know signing some some veteran free agents, things like that, uh, so that they essentially have all their holes filled by the time that draft starts. That's really where you want to be.
1: Yeah, and you you want to you know come from a position of strength rather than position of desperation. And I I, I think that. Les Snead has, you know, and, and Sean McVay have these priorities that they have set in their minds that they're not going to reveal to us at any press conference. It's just going to be announced like through reports or through the team. You're gonna just hear that they've signed, you know, X player or this player, and it's not they're not gonna tell you what their moves are going to be before they happen. And I think it's important for people to know that uh, going forward. But yeah, I just, I, I liked the um, the sort of the way that Snead kind of uh, analyzed his approach to this, um, you know, because... You, you never really know with the draft sometimes. And when you're in, when you're starting in the second round, if you look at the first, if you, if you, if you're in the first round and they kind of, the Rams kind of are in this position because of the whole uh, Jalen Ramsey trade. And it, and it, it may be as some sort of a ripple effect here where they, they wanted to, you know, get Jalen Ramsey and, and keep Jalen Ramsey. But in order to do that, you got to, you know, be able to pay him uh, and and keep him long term, and so that may affect whether or not they restructure a contract like Goff, and that ha- that may have something to do with you know whether or not they franchise tag someone. So it all kind of comes together. It's all part of a a, a domino effect um, that that has occurred. But it's good, I think that the the Rams have time on their side, and and we ta- and we've been talking about this on the podcast where fans obviously would have liked the Rams to go deeper you know to to make the playoffs first of all but then to go deep in the playoffs i think that this time that they've had uh you know being eliminated so early has has benefited them to to really be out in front of all of these things and make sure they're they're not caught off guard
0: yeah r- real quick on that because it is a good point now the rams you know they lost the super bowl on i think it was february 3rd um uh, last year the combine is always at, at this time kind of the the end of, of february so you're talking about you're only talking about three weeks there before you get right back into it and you have to give your guys a little bit of downtime i mean th- those coaches have to take a little bit of a break uh you know, the position coaches coordinators even some of your staff who's been working you know literally has been working straight through since since the middle of july you have to give them a little bit bit of downtime. So what the Rams were facing last year, look, and Sean McVay, Lesnead will be the first ones to tell you, you will take this problem 10 times out of 10. You will gladly do what the Rams did last year when you make the Super Bowl and then your offseason just gets kind of smushed Uh, But you're right, it it does have an impact. And and what they were able to do here is you end your season on December 29th. You don't make the playoffs, which is not the position that you want to be in. But then you're able to do that. You're able to tell your coaches, all right, take the next – 10 days 14 days off then we're all going to come back uh, you know the second week of January and and we're going to push through we're going to have a, a month uh, you know more than a month's worth of good work before we even get to the combine and and then you've got your base you've got your foundation uh, set going into the offseason uh, when you're in the position that the Rams were last year and that a lot of teams are uh, you're playing catch-up and and again it's it's that's the best place to be you're you're not happy to be there but you're happy to be there because of, of what it means, but uh, to have this time, I, I think is, is kind of invaluable. So so that's that's a great point, too. And uh, we'll, we'll see how that kind of pays off uh, down the line. But but Jake, the one thing I, I did want to to mention now, n- not a lot of the free agents are, are getting talked about in specifics. I know even on Twitter, people ask me, well, what did he say about Brockers? What did he say about Fowler? What did he say about, you know, these guys, that guy, but he's not, they're not, this isn't really the time and place to sit there and say, okay, you know, here's, here's the update Here's where we stand with with Michael Brockers or with Corey Littleton I mean those those discussions really the combine is is where a lot of that stuff takes place because all the agents are here too so it's it's a real good opportunity for for those guys to either informally or formally kind of chat and and kind of see where where they are so not a lot of uh, specifics but Jake the one thing uh, that struck me really was discussion of Greg Zerline and it was kind of a uh, almost like an innocuous uh, question it was just kind of like hey you know what's what's going on with greg Zerline? any updates there and i don't want to read too much into this jake but i know you saw it too uh, and uh, curious if if i'm just you know kind of floating conspiracy theories here but sean mcveigh answered the question about greg zirline and he spoke a lot in the past tense like he, you know, the way the way that he started the answer was, Greg has been a great kicker and he has done a great job here, uh, and it's like, hmm, that's an interesting way to. It was almost like one of those, you know, congratulatory pat on the backs, like. You did a great job, Greg. You know, thanks thanks for all the time. And uh, it's, a, it's a long answer, as, as most of Sean McVay's answers are. Um, so you, he certainly went into the, the fact that he would like to have Greg Zerline back and is very appreciative of, of everything that uh, that he has. But at the end of the answer, he kind of circled back and said, well, you know, we're, we're evaluating guys in the draft and, and we're going to have free agency. So at, did did, you, did that hit you the same way that it hit me almost kind of like uh, you, that you shouldn't expect necessarily uh, something to happen there
1: the the way it hit me was because as i was looking through the the transcripts of the of the press conference i had read what they had said about Andrew Whitworth, both Les Snead and Sean McVeigh, and they po- and they and they spoke right. very confidently in him returning. And then you contrast that with how they spoke about Greg Zerline and it just wasn't the same kind of uh explanation. I guess I for lack of a better word. It right. just seemed like if if, you know, we look at all of our free agents. He may be the odd man out here. And um, that it was very telling. I don't think you're reading too far into it here, Rich. I I, I, I thought the same thing. And I, and I think that if they were to take the position of just like, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'd love to have him back and have that sort of uh, frame of mind uh, about every player that was asked of them, then you could— Say like okay, well they kind of give the same blanket answer to each player, but their confidence in that and in, in Andrew Whitworth coming back, and then you and then you look at how they talked about Zerline, and you have to think that hmm, Zerline does not seem like he factors uh, too heavily into the Rams' future given the the, the cap space that they have.
0: I'm going to throw something else out here, and this is not. I, I always. I feel like I should have this disclaimer, kind of like on a on a soundboard or something. Like this is not reporting. This is just me, kind of uh, even speculating. it. I think that's rich.
1: Fine. Are you about to make a bold prediction? It's <laughs> yes,
0: a, a bold prediction. Good callback. Yeah, <laughs> uh, making a bold prediction uh, that uh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, happen to need a kicker. They they usually do, but but they specifically do right now. Uh, and And guess who they just signed as their special teams coordinator? Uh, Hmm. John Fossil. John Fossil, who happens to have worked with Greg Zerline for a very long time, for for Greg's entire career, I believe, unless I have my years wrong there. Um, But... so that's uh something to keep an eye on who knows i I don't know whether or not that's something that would even appeal to greg but i do know he had a very good relationship with with john fossil and uh yeah it's it's a great point Uh, you know you you can you can get too deep into parsing words sometimes but I, i i think you said it very well there the contrast and maybe even maybe even sometimes it's the things that aren't said more than the things that are said when when you look at it, or, or just the certain phrasing. So uh, that'll be interesting. So, so when you talk about uh, a position, we, we just finished talking about how you, you don't want to be desperate in the draft and you don't want to have to uh, draft a, a certain position. But, you know, we'll see how this goes if, if Greg Zerline um, does not come back. And, and again, much like we were talking about uh free agent left tackles you, you you try to sign a kicker a free agent kicker i mean you might as well you know it's you just you just spin the wheel like the price is right you know like there's no you, you might as well just randomly pick one uh usually and it, it really doesn't matter so do they do that or do they invest a draft pick in in one of these kickers that'll that'll be interesting to see and, and I think low-key uh important because we we've seen over the last couple of years I mean Craig Zerline's sent the Rams to the Super Bowl uh with with a couple of big kicks there so uh, it's it's an important position and uh it, it'll be interesting to see whether there's kind of uh, maybe a maybe an independent era there. I, I did think that was kind of an interesting um, comment. But, Jake, I wanted to close here, and, and not in brief either. I want to get into this a, a little bit, but uh, Todd Gurley is, is always a topic, <laughs> always will be, uh, for as long as he, he's here. And I want to I want to start here because there's so much talk about Todd Gurley's knee and his health and what he's capable of and what he isn't capable of. And um we, we I think it's fair to say we don't get a lot of clear answers on that. And and we've talked in the past about how uh, I don't expect necessarily clear answers. I, I don't expect Sean McVeigh or Les Snead or anybody to stand up there and say, yes, Todd Gurley's knee is capable of handling exactly 17 carries per game and not more. Uh, like I, I don't expect them to do that, and it would be inherently stupid for them to do that. But I, I wanted to know just if the game plan called for it, could Todd Gurley get 18 to 20 carries every game? And Sean McVeigh, the answer was kind of a a half answer, I guess I would say. He he kind of started off saying accurately that, uh, you know, essentially, yes, because look at what he did down the stretch when I believe it was three out of the last uh, six games or or something like that. Todd Gurley was at 18, uh, 19, 20, 23 carries, something like that. So Sean was kind of, I think, using that to say, well, yeah, look, he did it during the the second half uh, of the season. And I wish in hindsight, I had kind of jumped back in. Maybe I should have phrased the question a little bit differently and say, well, uh, how about over the course of a whole season? Is he capable of and? 260, 270, 75 carries, like, is that something that, that's realistic right now? And uh, we, we didn't really get the answer there. But uh, Jake, the one thing that, that jumped out to me, and uh, tell me what you think is, there's a lot of Daryl Henderson uh, talk in there, uh, just in terms of, of what he might be able to bring and uh, the, the sense that I got, particularly from listening to Sean, less to, to a lesser extent, no pun intended, uh, was that they, they feel really good about Daryl Henderson and uh, the, the role that, that he might be able to have in 2020. That was something that jumped out to me. Less even kind of used, he, he was prompted in this, but he, he even used that term two-headed monster uh, be, because it was, it was a phrase that was you know kind of brought to him. Uh, but, but what did you think when when you saw that, some of these comments about Todd Gurley and the running game? It sounded to me like there was, there was still a commitment to Todd, but that, that also we should expect to see uh, some different elements in 2020.
1: Here are my thoughts. And one thing that I noticed from Les Snead was that he said that there would be some sort of intentional plan with Todd Gurley. Now, right. I don't know if that had ever been uttered before, but that's so- certainly something new that I had never heard either Les Snead or Sean McVay say, that there was some sort of plan with him. Because it often is referred to as a pitch clock or some okay. sort of load management, right? So to me, it was like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess there was some sort of plan. And and Snead kind of alluded to maybe, you know, giving Gurley less snaps at the beginning of the game so he's fresher by the end of the game. And I just feel like that would have... Sufficed, I think this past season, if there was that clear messaging from both the general manager and the, and the head coach, because I'm looking at Todd Gurley and we're all looking at him and we're like, well, is he, is he not feeling well? Like is his knee bothering him? Is there a pitch clock? And Sean McVay has still to this day, never said one way or the other on it. So to hear Les Snead say there was, there's some sort of intentional plan, whether it's in his off season workout. Or whether it's um, ha- has to do with with uh, when the 2020 season starts, there is something there. So that that stood out to me. The other thing that stood out to me was that um, Malcolm Brown's name wasn't mentioned. So there was a lot of uh, Daryl mm-hmm. Henderson talk, but Malcolm Brown's name was not uh, was not mentioned. So i I like the future of Daryl Henderson I liked what I saw when he did play and he didn't play that much but he had a couple of really nice runs from what I remember and he's really fast and he has uh big legs and he's you know a bit of a brute uh in in a in a short you know and he's he's you know, typically uh, he's shorter than, than Todd Gurley, I believe. So I really do like, like him. uh, And, and Les Snead sort of said, you, you sort of need two backs in this league uh, is what he said. So uh, maybe Daryl Henderson is the, is the future for the Rams uh, behind Todd Gurley. But the one thing I did want to ask you, Rich, uh, about, about Gurley for what McVay said, and I don't know if I'm not reading this right, or maybe it, it came off differently in the room. But it was asked of Sean McVeigh about whether or not he would sit down and talk to Todd Gurley about uh, what you know how he felt the year went. And he and and McVeigh said, I know myself personally, I'm not speaking for Todd, from some of the emotional things from the season, and then being able to say, okay, this is how I processed it, and then just being able to get on the same page and then moving forward for us. I I don't really know what to take from that, but it but it seems to me like he's alluding to maybe there was some disagreement between him and Todd Gurley throughout the season. I don't know what emotional things he's specifically referring to, but I don't know. And, and again, I don't know how it came off in the room, but that stood out to me as like, well, wait a minute. Was there some sort of uh, tension there that, that maybe needs to be ironed out and maybe Todd Gurley and Sean McVeigh and the Rams need to get on the same page?
0: Yeah, that that's a that's a great question. Uh that that was a very interesting. He he didn't have to phrase it that way and 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 he chose to phrase it that way and talk about an emotional type of thing. So you wouldn't I I don't know whether you would say that about any other player. Like what would he say that about Robert Woods or would he say that about Uh, you know anybody else Aaron Donald like oh we need you know maybe maybe after Aaron's had a little time to emotionally you know like (laughs) I I don't think so I don't I don't think so so it's it's a good point in terms of why why would you kind of uh specify that with with Todd Gurley look I don't know I mean I don't want to speak for Todd Gurley and uh you 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 can read into a lot of things and and people have I I I tend to shy away from this a little bit you know people see Ah, gosh I don't even know if I want to go down this rabbit hole but you know pe- people see the way that, that Todd kind of carries himself when when he's in the press conferences and they say oh you know he's upset and he's you know he looks so mad or whatever and you don't, you don't know like you, you can't really read somebody's emotions it's not fair to Todd Gurley to look at that and say uh, you know oh he's he's obviously upset about his role or he's obviously mad about, at Sean McVeigh or he's obviously that like that. that's really you know Todd's the only one who who can speak to that. And frankly, he's chosen not to. I mean, he uh, frankly hasn't revealed very much about his his thoughts or, or his desires or anything else. But all that said, Jake, I, I think anybody who's who's spent time look, Todd Gurley's a competitive man, and he has been since a, uh, since he started playing football. Uh, and a, a lot of running backs are, are this way. Uh, they are they are team people. They understand you know things that that ha- need to happen in order for an offense to be successful or for a team to be successful. But that but their default mode is always and, and receivers really are the same way. Their default mode is always. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. I, you know, I can win us the game. I can do this. I, you know, so that that's kind of the default mode for for those guys, and and I'm sure Todd Gurley is is no different. So to to have the season that he had th- this year, just purely in terms of usage and productivity and that sort of thing, uh, on a basic level, I, I'm sure it doesn't sit well with him. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure he didn't get to the end of the season and you know take off his jersey and say, well, that went well. You know, I know I, I can't imagine that, that, like putting myself in his position, I, I can't imagine that that he was pleased or that he was satisfied or anything else. So. Yeah, I don't. uh, Sean's the one who brought this up, so you know, just kind of reading into that a little bit, I I would, I would suspect maybe that a little bit of of what he is thinking of, just you know, maybe give a little bit of time to to step away and uh, you know, not to have that be so fresh, that disappointment, whatever frustration might exist there, uh, you know, let that you know rest a little bit and and then kind of come back to it with a with a more forward look. So uh, that that conversation, you know, will, will be interesting. Obviously, we won't be privy to it, uh, but but I'm sure there's going to be a, a lot of back and forth. And and the other part of that that Sean said was, you know, I asked him, you know, what what, what do you want to impart to Todd and, and what do you want to hear back from him? And, and his answer, which part of which you, you quoted there was, was basically, you know, I, I want to listen to Todd. I want to hear what he has to say. Um, so it, it sounded like, you know, people have made a lot of this quote unquote meeting and what it means and everything else. But it, it really does sound like it's going to be a two way street. It's not just going to be Sean McVeigh sitting down Todd Gurley and saying, hey, this is the way it's going to be. And, uh, you know, my way or the highway. Uh, Sean painted it very differently in terms of it, it really is going to be a conversation uh, between those two guys and, uh, you know, trying to find the right path forward for, for 2020. Uh, yeah, Daryl Henderson you know there was a lot of hype there after he got drafted and and then uh, some issues came up he he had an ankle injury that I I think probably got underreported a little bit Jake you you were actually around more than than I was during a, a, a big part of the season. I, I don't even remember that really being a big talking point. Uh, that that Daryl Henderson was was dealing with that ankle injury. What what are your memories of that? And I and I think maybe this could partially explain. Uh, it, it was a question a lot of fans were asking during the season. Why aren't we seeing more Daryl Henderson? Why isn't he getting a bigger role? And, and then we kind of find out. At least from my perspective, we kind of find out that that he was kind of dealing with this nagging uh, ankle injury. Did that uh, was that something you were really aware?
1: of uh, to a large part during the season? I, I honestly think we were so focused on Todd Gurley and, <laughs> and, and you know, that, that we weren't really thinking much about Daryl Henderson. And Malcolm Brown, too, was, was performing, you know, adequately. So we weren't really thinking of of needing to to rely so much on, on Daryl Henderson or rely on the thought of him playing. Um, and then his ankle, it seemed like it, it really flared up towards the end of the season. And that's why he uh, wasn't available for the last game. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I did not hear anything as it, as it uh, you know, because I kept my eye on, you know, just kind of the whole Todd Gurley thing. Who are they going to use? and? And Todd was on the field for you know for most of it. You know he he played every game except for one. Right, and so you have to think like, okay, well the the starter's in there and he's on the field and he's you know in there from the majority of the snaps. You're not really thinking so much about the third stringer. Um, and 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 to me, I feel like we would we would have noticed it more pay, maybe paid more attention to it if if Todd was not playing and then and then you're relying more on on Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson
0: yeah good point so that'll be something to watch I mean we, we talk about um, OTAs and uh, we don't reporters don't get a chance to watch a lot of the OTAs which is a little bit of a shame because I really would like to see uh, Daryl Henderson out there and then just kind of how he's d- developing. As a running back, I get to I get this really kind of interesting or very early uh, hunch that that he's going to be kind of a hinge player um, next season. So it's something we will keep an an eye on for sure. And uh, Jake, we'll, we'll close it with this. A fullback? How about how about a fullback? Now, hey. this was something fans had asked me, like, you know, would the Rams ever consider doing uh, you know, what the 49ers have done with Kyle Juszczyk and and incorporating him the way that that Kyle Shanahan does. And I kinda I'll be honest with you, I kinda dismissed it because I thought, ah, you know, it just It it would change so much of of what Sean McVay does, you know, using so much 11 personnel and, uh, you know, the the types of of things that he does with his running backs. it, It really, in my mind, it didn't fit. Well, somebody asked Sean McVay directly, you know, hey, would you ever consider this? And his answer, Jake, was Oh yeah, absolutely. And I kind (laughs) of went like, I kind of looked up like, did I just hear that? Like, so I want to get into this. We're not really going to have the time now and and it'll it'll make for a more interesting um, conversation down the line, but it uh, it sounds to me like uh, the Rams are open to it. And it, it, it speaks to me a little bit, maybe about how this offense is, is going to evolve a little bit. And, you know, the Rams, for, for much of Sean McVeigh's tenure here, have been all about that 11 personnel, you know, make everything look the same pre snap and, and then try to confuse the defense. And, you know, that's not really what the, the 49ers have done. You know, they, they don't mind rotating in those backs, those different, different guys, uh, different downs and distances, you know, making use check a part of that uh, offense. So they're they're not trying to to fool you in the same way necessarily that Sean McVeigh is is trying to fool you. So uh, that that struck my ear uh, interesting. So I guess any fullbacks out there, if you're uh, if you're in need of a job or want to come play for the Rams, you know, I, I guess come on up to Thousand Oaks uh, in in April.
1: I love that idea because I I, I love any idea where there, where he's trying something new, and I think that. Like you mentioned in one of your articles, Rich, this is Sean McVay 2.0. He's blown up the coaching staff and brought in the guys that he wants to bring in. And, and towards the end of last season, he was using more 12 personnel. Johnny Munt got to see the field a little bit more than we're used to. Yeah. And it worked. I mean, it really did work. And it confused the other defense and it threw them off. Um, to the point where the Rams were seeing some success. Now, why didn't they stick with that in some of the crucial games? Um, looking at Dallas, um, why, why you know why, why didn't they stick with that? Who knows? But I think. Right. The the idea that McVeigh is willing to, and open to trying anything to to win a ball game, I think you have to love that. And whether we see more uh, of a Johnny Munt, I don't know what his uh, ball carrying skills are, or if they go out and you know try and get an actual uh, fullback uh, that that's that's played the position before and all that, and with with some NFL experience. Then, then then, I'm all for it because it means that they're just trying to find a way, creative ways in which to uh, beat the other team and bringing in a guy like Kevin O'Connell, just another set of eyes uh, that can help um, figure out to disrupt patterns of the other team and figure out different strategies and ways in which to run the offense so you're not just, oh, it's Sean McVay, 11 personnel, or oh, it's just going to be Jared Goff, you know, stepping back in the pocket and trying to throw the ball 50 times a game. It's going to be, you know, how are we going to win with the pieces that we got? Even if we don't have a dynamic Todd Gurley, you know, are are there different ways in which we can move the chains?
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be a big part of it in in twenty twenty that that evolution and uh, how how Sean McVay can kind of make those adjustments on on offense. And uh, I'm excited to see it. I think it'll be fascinating to see kind of what they do, even even if it's a lot of the same personnel in terms of those skill position guys, you, you can still uh, make it look very different and, and you do different things with those guys. So very interested to, to see how that goes. So uh, we'll have a lot to talk about. Uh, we can get into that in in future episodes too. kind of the, the evolution of that offense uh, like you were talking about, Jake, because uh, I think there's some potential there and, and some things that they can they can do differently. So we'll get into it. Uh, you know, future episodes, we'll be talking a lot about uh, that, whether it's the franchise tag, we're really getting into the meat of it, you know, right. We're starting right now. Uh, when you talk about that franchise tag and then we'll be into that free agency period real quick and, and a lot of interesting things happening there. So it, it's going to be happening real quick here and uh, some some big, big decisions over the, the next uh, few weeks. So, of course, we'll be here. All off-season to talk about that. Appreciate the plug there, Jake, for my story on The Athletic. Uh, Trying to look at uh, Sean McVay uh, 2.0 and kind of the changes that he's made. So if you haven't checked that out already, please uh, go ahead and do that. And uh, Jake... Congratulations on surviving the bear. Thank you. I'm. Uh, I, I, I know I, you. Uh, I know you put yourself in in harm's way to cover uh, the story God. of of the bear who <laughs> was. Uh, I don't know. He wasn't really terrorizing the neighborhood. Right? He was just kind of docilely walking yeah, around. Yeah, she right?
1: was. A, she was just kind of floating around. And didn't really care so much about us, you know, following her around. Yeah. Uh, but I honestly, I got destroyed on social media because I got too close to the bear. <laughs> and and if there's one thing I'm going to take away from that is that I dodged a huge bullet because I'm still alive. And I don't think I'm going to be doing anything like that ever again.
0: Yeah, I really. I don't need to find another co-host. So you know, defer <laughs> that alone, Jake. Think of me the next time oh, that of you side you want to, you know, venture close to a bear, uh, but uh, you know, for really, you know, Jake's been doing some great stuff on, on the news side uh, on CBS Two, Kcal Nine, but uh, always great sports coverage, uh, just the, the the best you can get on on a day to day basis. So, Jake, if you can just remind everybody what they should be tuning in for.
1: Oh yeah, and I think uh, yesterday we we reminded everyone that we still have Jim Hill. Uh, he was great during our coverage of the Kobe and Gianna. Uh, uh, memorial just incredible insight that you can't get anywhere else and every night ten forty five, sports central on kcal 9 uh just keep following us uh, uh on cbs and kcal 9 again we are the same station um and uh yeah fo- follow me on twitter i i you know I, I like to change things up now and again so you never know what you're gonna get but i do um have an emphasis, uh, on the Rams on sports. Uh, and so, yeah, just, uh, just continue to follow, follow me. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm available. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there you go. I, I, the website too. You know, I love it. Uh, I, 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 you know, I'm selling myself out by saying this, but like, you know, whenever there's a car chase and, and they kick it online and you can listen oh, to yeah. Stu Mundell, like do his, his commentary. It's, it's the, the best. best. Like you could, you could sell a subscription to that. And then I think people would buy it to listen to Stu Mundell uh, do his commentary. So love Stu He follows me on Twitter too. And so uh, by chance he's listening, <laughs> uh, big fan, Stu. So, uh, but uh, follow, follow, along with us on Twitter too, Jake uh, at Reiner underscore Jake R-E-I-N-E-R underscore Jake and I am at Rich underscore Hammond we're always happy to uh, take your comments questions and that sort of thing we'll bring them up on the on the podcast and uh, appreciate the interaction appreciate all the reviews on iTunes things like that uh, spreading the word to your fellow Rams fans again we will be here all off season when there's news to break and break down for you so it's going to be a very interesting rams off season we'll see how the rest of this combine goes and then we will look forward to the start of free agency very soon so anything that happens we'll be here to break it down for you thanks for listening everybody have a great week and we will talk to you soon